I'm master at life and weight loss coach, Jillian Lama, and you're listening to the Body You Crave podcast, where you'll learn how to end emotional eating, lose excess weight, and feel amazing in your body. No cheating required. Keep listening, and I'll show you how. today's bonus episode of the Body You Crave podcast, I'm talking with my friend, Anne Bonnie. Anne's an international motivational keynote speaker, a workshop facilitator, and a retreat hostess. She's a two-time author, founder of Ignite Your Influence podcast, which is amazing and you should totally go check out, by the way. And she's a hardcore lover of barbecue sauce and naps. Definitely a woman after my own heart. Now, Anne is the type of person that you just love to be around. Like you love her energy and who she is, but you love who you become and who you are and how you show up when you're around her. She's like that type of person. I don't know if you've got people like that in your world or in your life who you just love being around them. You love doing life with them, you know, as a part of it. That is Anne to a T. So I hope you'll join me for this episode where we dive into some fun topics around fear and courage and emotional intelligence and how to get more comfortable being uncomfortable, how to get more comfortable with change, things that have become so relevant and so important, especially after 2020 and coming into this next year. You know, and I have to be honest, 2021 has proven to be a bit more challenging than 2020 even was. So this was such a great conversation. I know you're going to get a lot of value out of it. Let's dive in. All right. And welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Jillian, it's so great to be here. Yes. Awesome. Well, why don't we get started by having you introduce yourself? Who are you and what do you do? I am Ann Bonnie, and I am the 30 year running rock throwing champion of the Hiding Your Family reunion. And I am undefeated <laughs> in that rock throwing with all of the Hidinger cousins. <laughs> nice. I also do some public speaking and some authoring and some podcasting and uh, some motivating as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I bet lots of motivating. So what are some of your favorite speaking topics and things that you find uh, to be most passionate about? You know, it's funny, Jillian. I love helping people get uncomfortable. I think it's so important um, Uh in life. And the big places are specifically in change. I talk a lot on change, dealt with a lot of change. And I know change is a really, really uncomfortable thing for a lot of people. And so I try to help making that discomfort be a little less uncomfortable. Uh And also difficult conversations, you know, having tough conversations is so necessary for healthy work relationships, for healthy personal relationships. And it is so uncomfortable that a lot of us, me included for a long time, avoid them at all costs. And unfortunately, that leads to divorces and leaving jobs and all the things that. uh, So the more we can get comfortable with those tough conversations or at least be able to embrace those tough conversations and the discomfort that comes with it better off we're going to be. Yeah. Awesome. Well, those are some things that we are definitely going to dive more into today, but I want to back up a little bit and just hear a little bit more of, you know, what's your story? Well, I was born on a warm day in July (laughs) in Glenridge, New Jersey. Now we moved a lot. You know, we moved every one to three years, my entire youth. And Uh it was awesome. You know, when I was eight, well, I got home from second grade and my parents said, we're moving to Saudi Arabia. And I was like, oh, I have no idea what that means, but cool, let's go. Right. And we lived in Saudi Arabia. We lived in Egypt. We lived in Greece. Then I went to boarding school, a performing arts high school up in northern Michigan. And so 
I dealt with a lot of change through that and then Mm. didn't stop that. Uh, After college, I taught special ed for a while Mm -hmm. and then was an animal trainer. I worked with seals and sea lions in Boston. And then I worked with birds of prey in Arizona. And that was super fun. Wow. for, For some reason, I decided I needed a big kid job and got a job with this little company in 2002 called Under Armour. I was employee number 80, worked with them, tons of growth, tons of change, super fun. You know, I mean, it was, it was the early days when, you know, everybody did everything that they needed to, to get that little engine off the ground, you know? Yeah. Um, Or rolling down the tracks or whatever you want to call it. Anyway, it worked. (laughs) And then uh, a couple more corporate jobs. And then I decided to leave it all and become a public speaker. Amazing. That is really cool. So, I mean, is this where you thought you were going to take your life? What, you know, as a kid, what were you thinking all along these, these different paths and kind of stepping stones that you were on to kind of get to this final destination? What was the thought process behind it? Were you ever thinking like, oh, this is it. This is the job. I've made it. Things like that. <laughs> well, I thought, I thought that every single time. <laughs> okay. And I still cool. think that now, but you're not I alone. Never, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you had said when I was 22 and getting out of college that I was someday going to be a professional public speaker, motivational speaker, I would have been like, oh, that's cute. Yeah. Right. That's not going to happen. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I always thought it was the right move and, and all the moves, even though that wouldn't have been the right move for a lot of people in every single step along the way, I learned different things that have led me to my success right now mm-hmm. and having the guts to do this job because it's terrifying sometimes running your own business and getting up on stage and trying to say smart things. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Which leads into my next question of why courage? Because if we want to live life to the fullest, we have to be courageous. It's uncomfortable. We have to dive into some of those uncomfortable things. We have to make the changes that aren't comfortable. And it's interesting. I've been reading a lot lately on comfort and how comfort and happiness are not the same thing. And it's so easy to mistake comfort for happiness and for fulfillment and for satisfaction. When the fact is, it's just easy. Oftentimes, it's really uncomfortable. And so, yeah, that's something that I've been diving into. But but to be able to dive into discomfort takes courage to be able to deal with change in an emotionally intelligent way takes courage. And uh, so I want to help boost people's courage. That's amazing. And I think that's this kind of mission that you're on, too, in in talking about like normalizing fear and Mm, like letting people know that like there's nothing wrong with it. There's not evil. It's not the boogeyman. But we make so many decisions because we're afraid. Of success, we're afraid of failure. We're, you know, like yeah, we're yeah. Afraid of not getting what we want, and we're afraid of getting what we want. We're there's, right? it's like all of these things. We, yeah, we're kind of constantly afraid. You know, why is that? And how do you help people through things like that? Understanding that your brain has was invented to keep you alive. <laughs> okay, yep. so it's super convenient, especially in our twenties. <laughs> that our brains are there to keep us alive, and so there's this little uh, I call it an elf in your brain that reminds you of all the bad things that could happen so you don't get in trouble and uh-huh. hurt yourself and die, you know? And which is, again, super handy when there's a bus coming down the road. But right. when, you know, you're in a job that you hate and you're still getting paid, your brain's going to say, hey, you know what? You're getting paid. Suck it up. Mm-hmm. And, and oftentimes that new thing is scary because it's not guaranteed and it's not, you know, but like you said, we're afraid of success. We're afraid of not having success. You know, I mean, it, there's such a paradox. And so once you start recognizing that your fear often lies just to keep you, quote unquote, safe, and really it's just to keep you the same, 
that voice of doubt is, yeah, it's good. It's well-intentioned. You know, and I always say to my elf, like when it's squawking at me, I'm like, you know what? Her name is Sally. I said, Uh Sally, I get it. You're trying to keep me safe. You're trying to keep me from getting hurt. Mm -hmm. And I think we're good. I think we got this. Mm -hmm. Um, And ever since I kind of separated that voice of doubt into a little cute elf in a pink cashmere sweater, she's got a really huge sweater, by the way. And and I, I could talk to Sally and say, hey, Sally, I get what you're trying to do, but I think we got this. And that helps to be able to move forward intelligently by able to say, okay, am I in danger here? What could happen? What's the worst could, that could happen? What's the best that could happen? What happens if this works? Because most of the time it does. Most of the time I figure it out and it kind of is awesome. And mm-hmm. because we went through that fear, that earning of that next thing is so much more fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And yes, sometimes we crash and burn. I'm not going to say it's all been a barrel of the potatoes or bag of good things. That was terrible. I'm not going to say that it's always been <laughs> sunshine and rainbows. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, but, but right. you know, the, the failures are figure outable and the uh-huh. triumphs are totally worth it. Yeah. Yes. And you're right, because we don't give ourselves credit for what for like for what we can do, what we have achieved already. And I am just as guilty as the next of not celebrating my progress or not celebrating success. And a lot of times it's because, well, I should have be further. I I should have gotten here way longer ago. Mm -hmm. Like there's Mm -hmm. some kind of way I keep myself down or my little mini. I call it my mini me. So her name's Jilly Bean. And she's like, you know, the little seven eight-year-old version of myself that like a little jelly bean like she probably just needs a hug right now she's feeling a little scared she's unsure and yep it's it's something where like you just gotta have compassion for yourself too in those times right right and and one of the things I've been saying to myself lately as I do exactly that same thing I should have my third book done I should have this done Uh I should what are you doing sitting on your butt you know yeah. Like, yeah. Um, or taking that vacation or having a break right, or. Right. Yeah. And I remind myself, you know what? Things are exactly the where they're supposed to be right now. Everything's mm-hmm. perfect right now. There's mm-hmm. some things I got to figure out. There's some things I got to move forward. And everything is perfect just the way it is right now because yeah. it's what we got. You can't change it anyway in the past. Right. We can only do <laughs> right. things to move it forward. Right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I used to be the queen of beating myself up for things that happened yesterday, a week ago, a year ago, like as if I could do could really like learn from it. It wasn't like, oh, let me assess and figure out how do I want to do things differently next time? It was you suck. You terrible. I believe you said that. That was so dumb. (laughs) You know, it was it was all a lot of like shame and judgment. Yes. And it's awful. The things we say to ourselves, isn't it? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I lately have been catching myself and I'm like, and be nice. Right. You know? <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I think too, like we have to remember that our, our positive self-talk does not have to be earned. Like you don't right. have to sign the client or grow the business or lose the weight or, you know, achieve this goal, run the marathon. You don't have to have this outcome or have accomplished something in order to talk nicer to yourself, in order to right. give yourself a pat on the back and say like, hey, you're doing awesome today. Like, hey, you know, those two things you've like been procrastinating and putting off, like you got those done today. Like you're kicking ass. Way to mm-hmm. go. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. And you don't have to lie to yourself either. Sometimes it's little mm-hmm. stuff like, you know what? You're having a, gr- you did the eyeliner today. Every once in a while, that's <laughs> sometimes that's all you got. Like, 
You didn't right? fall when you got out of bed today. All right. Yeah. We're good. Like, yeah. you know, when you find those little things, even if they're silly and the beauty of the silly things is they make you laugh and then yeah. you lighten up and then you're like, okay. And I'm funny too. Right. I gotta, you know, and then you start making lists and now you're like, okay, I'm nice to myself now. Right. Right. Yes. Oh, I love that. You mentioned emotional intelligence a few mm. minutes ago. What is that? How would you define that term? Ooh, I love emotional intelligence. I think everybody needs to work on it. It is basically understanding your emotions and the emotions of others and Uh how we can act, talk, react in ways that improve the results that we're getting with others. And basically, you know, I mean, if we want to sing a song, it's making the world a better place. You know, it's Mm -hmm. it's a Coke commercial. It's how do we get along better with other people while still validating and acknowledging our own feelings. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a very interesting course of study and figuring out how do we get along better with others and how do we get along better with ourselves? Exactly. what We were just talking about. So what would somebody do if they're like, hmm, like maybe my emotional intelligence is kind of low right now. How would you encourage them or what kind of steps or tips would you give them to start working on that or strengthening that muscle? Because I imagine it's something that is kind of like a muscle. You need to practice and work it. And it's not just a like learn this information. And now all of a sudden you're good. (laughs) Yeah. Here's your degree. You're good. No, it's true. (laughs) And it's something you work on all the time. And you suddenly, you know, throughout your life, you'll learn different things that, that are hard or that, you know, push your buttons with other people and all that stuff. The first step is Mm self-awareness is understanding yourself, your reactions to people, your emotional reactions. And, And this is something, you know, as I've studied emotional intelligence, I've only recently, and I mean like in the last couple of months, allowed myself to start feeling some of the emotions, you know? (laughs) So my habit was to like, okay, so I, when I left a certain job, Mm -hmm. I kind of felt like I was just kind of dismissed. I wasn't fired. I did Mm -hmm. leave under my own, my own accord, but Mm -hmm. it was kind of like a, okay, here's your choice. And Mm -hmm. I, I knew it was a business decision. I knew it was the best thing for the organization. I know that since then I wouldn't have wanted to be there. Like, I'm like, wow, thank God I dodged that bullet. Right. And I felt like crap being kind of dismissed. Like I Mm -hmm. gave a lot to that company. I worked Mm -hmm. so hard. I did a lot for them. But I never allowed myself to feel the anger and feel the frustration, the sadness, the betrayal, because I could always see the other side. So Uh my social awareness was very, is very strong. That's one Uh of the aspects of emotional intelligence. But my self-awareness where I was allowing Uh myself, like, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't mean they did anything wrong. Mm -hmm. And I felt frustrated. I felt upset. I felt Mm -hmm. sad. I felt betrayed. I felt like I deserved better, even Mm -hmm. though they didn't do anything wrong. I'm not going to run into anybody's office pound my fist on the desk and say, y'all are jerks. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. still can feel those feelings despite that. So to, long story short, mm-hmm. <laughs> first step being self-awareness, identifying what are my emotions? Because your emotions are okay. Yeah. It's what you do as a result of those emotions that can cause or solve problems. Yeah. Right? We know that we fly off the handle. Oh crap. I just yelled at my boss. This, this can't go well. Right. And so it's building that self-awareness. What are those situations? Who are those people? What are the things that set me off? Mm -hmm. What are the feelings I feel about them? And why is that? How do I react as a result? And how could I react differently that might get me better results? Yeah. It's really all in the post blow up debrief. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Right? When you're in the car and you're like, oh, wow, that didn't go well. I wish I'd done something different. So thinking about, okay, what happened? What were my emotions? 
How did I react? How, why did I react that way? Because all of these things are perfectly valid. And how do I want to react differently next time to get better results? That debrief is where the magic happens because you start to have a plan for next time it happens and you're more likely to do something different. Yes, absolutely. So this is very in line with how I teach clients to assess. And Mm, if they are emotionally eating, overeating, if they gave into an urge or craving, like learning how to assess and identify what was going on? What were the, the circumstances? What were the triggers? What were the feelings? What were the thoughts? Really under, better understanding that. And it doesn't mean that you're never going to overeat again. It just means that now we can start collecting data so we can start to consciously think through how do we want to handle this situation better in the future instead of falling back into, you know, the habit brain, our, our old routine of, of the way that we do things. Exactly. Yeah. And you start catching yourself. And you're like, oh, there yeah, it is. Right. I remember that I thought about this before and I'm there now. Usually right. I do this. I decided I was going to do that. Now, at least I'm making an intentional decision rather than just reacting, like you said, from that habit brain. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And this plays into everyone who's listening is, you know, interested in emotional eating and weight loss and cravings and, and how it really relates to us and food. And there's so much it's, it's how we do one thing is how we do everything. And so learning how to do this in one area of our life is naturally going to impact and help you do this in other areas. And so I love how you are describing this because so much of it is exactly how we can start emotionally eating because we don't want to feel the feelings. Mm-hmm. We don't want to avoid them. We want to feel happy. We want to feel good. We feel like we want to feel comfortable. Yes, we want to feel comfortable. Right? Absolutely. Or, or we're, we, we're afraid that like, oh, I shouldn't feel frustrated. I shouldn't feel this right. way. Well, I chose to leave on my own accord. So I don't get I don't have the right to feel this way. And for some of us, we've had people in our lives who have told us basically that we can't feel the way we want to. We have no right to <laughs> you know, like we don't get to have emotions. They're not valid. They're not worth anything. And others, it's just been this subtle thing that we've kind of picked up of, well, I should be happy. I should be grateful Mm -hmm. for what I've got. I should be, you know, it's all those shoulds. Yes. Right. Yep. And again, the the key to accepting those feelings in yourself is to say nobody did anything wrong here. Mm -hmm. And I'm sad. Mm -hmm. I'm upset. Mm -hmm. I'm angry. I have cried into a lot of pillows. I've punched a lot of pillows, you (laughs) know, where it's like this is nobody's fault and I feel crappy. So I'm yeah. going to go punch a pillow because then I get it out. I move through it rather than trying to figure out how to get away from it. And then I've expressed those feelings. I don't get stuck in that anger and that frustration. And I'm right. able to move on and say, OK, wh- what do I do now? Yeah. And then it kind of goes back to what you're saying about getting uncomfortable with change. And how do we start to make going through different life changes and stages easier? So how did you handle change as a kid? Because it sounds like there was a lot of change in your life. Yeah, it was never a big deal. I think because we moved so much, it just was kind of what I was used to. And they're like, okay, we're moving. And I was like, Uh okay. And I've always kind of been one of those people that just kind of plows through situations and makes them happen. (laughs) Though as I've gone through life, it's the changes that I didn't pick that I feel like, hmm, that should have gone differently. Those are the ones I've had a hard time with. Yeah, it's like, I don't want to accept this. I don't need to accept this. This isn't right. And those are the ones that I had a hard time with sometimes, which makes perfect sense. Yeah, 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 totally. So can you give us an example of what that, you know, what one example looks like for you? Sure. Well, I mean, that job that I told you about where Uh it kind of felt like there wasn't a spot for me anymore. So it was like, oh, okay, I guess I'll go find something else. 
it would have been fine, but it would have been like, mm, you can move down a little or you can have a lateral move and thanks for your service. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I deserve more than that. And I may have been completely misinterpreting that. And I'm glad I moved on. So anyway, uh-huh. I'm, I'm justifying. Uh, another example would be, well, those are the big ones. There were uh-huh. two jobs that I kind of moved on uh-huh. from that I felt like that should have gone differently. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah. so it's been hard to get over those. Yeah, no, definitely. And I totally can resonate with like kind of moving a lot and feeling like that becomes very natural and normal. And and I know for me, like it kind of created like a no, like no bullshit kind of tolerance level to where people would be like, oh, I'm moving for my senior year of high school and life is so hard and it's over. And I'm like, bitch, please. Like I moved and I went to five high schools. Like don't, don't even play, you know, like it was kind of almost like there was no, (laughs) there was no compassion, no empathy. That's so funny. I named my book get over it, but now I'm thinking I should have named it bitch, please. It's it's totally not that spirit, but that made me laugh so hard. That's amazing. Maybe the number three, maybe the third one you work on can be. uh, That's my emotional (laughs) intelligence book too. Um, You know, it's funny because because it, it is, it's all relative. And, yeah. you know, the more yeah. discomfort we've had, the more change we've dealt with, we see, but you know, when people haven't left their town and they've never, mm. you know, left, yeah. they've gone to the same school, they've had the same friends, making right. new friends is super scary. I've never survived that before. Yeah. Your brain's like, whoa, whoa. And you yeah. read the news and everybody's bad in the news. So everybody outside of my town is bad. And, uh-huh. you know, so you can see how that, even though you and I are like, oh, come on, isn't that cute? You, know, uh, you can see how, and, and this is what you have to do too for yourself. Yeah. Forgive yourself for the challenges you have and allow mm-hmm. your feelings mm-hmm. because they're not any better or worse than anybody else's. It's yeah. And it's hard because we are all on the comparison machine all the time. You know, right. you know, and it's, it's interesting too, because I had a friend, we just moved to North Carolina about seven months ago. And this is our like fourth move in or no, sixth move in four years, something like that. So he's been husband's been out of the military now and we are still moving (laughs) like crazy. And, you know, one of my friends was just commenting like, wow, you are really resilient in the way that you're able to just pick up and move, you know, clear across the country and get plugged in within a matter of like a couple of months. And it's something that I often take for granted, I think. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like, well, yeah, like, well, this is kind of what I have to do, you know? Um, and and it's doing? a skill. Meeting yeah. new people's a skill. Moving yeah. into a new town is a skill. And once you've done a skill a lot of times, you're like, I got this. What's the big deal? Yeah. Right. Right. You know, and it's interesting as I think about what changes I have challenges with now. Huh? And I'm going through one right now with my relationship, my romantic relationship. Uh-huh. He and I are, we came to a place where it was like, this isn't working. We've mm. got something special. I really like you. But Mm -hmm. we need to change the way we're interacting. And in the past, Mm -hmm. because moving is what I do, Mm -hmm. I've moved on, moved on, moved on, moved on. And so staying has been the challenge and the discomfort to say, all right, I'm going to stick around and see if we can work this out. And I'm super uncomfortable with that. Uh Whereas some people who are in 20, 30 year marriages totally get it. And they're like, what? That's easy. We do that on a monthly basis, you know? Right. Right. Oh, you know, that's such a good point. And I think it's, yeah. it's interesting because I think it comes down to expectations of what a good relationship looks like, what a good career or a good job, mm. job mm-hmm. looks like. I know yeah. when like I grew up and I, my parents would often fight or argue. And I remember thinking like, I don't want a marriage that looks anything like this. But in my mind, that meant good, healthy marriage meant that you like you didn't fight. You didn't like ever see each other off. You know, mm. it was like 
very unrealistic. So then whenever my husband and I would fight, it would be like, oh my gosh, we're getting divorced. Oh my God, you're <laughs> right, right. who are you? Uh, maybe I never should have done this. You know, it's like questioning everything instead of just kind of allowing that discomfort and working through it. And when you, right. when you don't know, you don't have maybe good models of what healthy communication looks like, what healthy anger looks like, what healthy right. debate or disagreement looks like um, and how to resolve it and work through it. I think it, it can be really challenging because we are only going to repeat what we've ever learned, right. even though we might right. be trying not to, if we don't have another way or another system, uh, another method, we're just going to end up repeating what we know. Right. Changing yeah. relationship patterns, changing yeah. behavior patterns. Yeah. It's what it's all about. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like if <laughs> I had a, uh, talking with a friend too about like at some point like you've got to stop blaming like the ex-boyfriends and look for the common mm-hmm. denominator and mm-hmm. it's you baby you know right. like sometimes and that's part work on ourselves and that's part of emotional intelligence too is uh-huh. saying what can and resilience it's what can i control here uh-huh. and i can't control the past stuff i can control what i do now and all that stuff may have happened to me there are people that have had absolutely terrible things that have happened to them mm-hmm. and it's it's looking at okay what can i do now how can mm-hmm. i shift this how can i change this how can i make my future better than my past. And yeah. it's hard. Yeah. yeah. Was there any one circumstance or situation in your life that you felt like was kind of a big turning point for you? You know, it's interesting. So uh, my second marriage, as I said, I left a lot. Uh, uh-huh. My second marriage, <laughs> I, it was, we were together for about 10 months. We got married. And then about a year and a half later, I realized that I was in an emotionally and verbally abusive relationship. I am a strong, independent, confident woman. You know, nobody takes advantage of me. Nobody does that to me. Nobody abuses me. Uh And as I'm laying in bed, realizing, oh, crap, here's what's going on. I was making so many excuses for him and making so many. This is okay. It doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. I can deal with this. It'll be for us. And I realized I was in this relationship. And that was the moment that I really started thinking about what do people realize this at different points in their lives? I happen to be 40 years old at the time, but you realize up until this point, I've kind of been just going with the next path that presented itself. And it was at that point where I said, whoa, whoa, I got to look out for me and make intentional choices about where my life goes and really do something differently and look at what do I want? What do I need in my job, in my And it's not that ease of my situation was that I had a lot of great things, a lot of great paths that presented themselves in front of me. So it had never gotten that uncomfortable. And I just kind of went with it. Right. And then all of a sudden I find myself in this abusive relationship and I'm like, how the heck did this happen? Because I wasn't thinking about the decisions I was making. I wasn't thinking about the other opportunities I might have. I was just saying, oh, my God, he likes me. He gave me a ring. Let's get married. What the heck, by the way, is not a good (laughs) response to will you marry me? Uh Just, you know, (laughs) side note. Um, But yeah, that was a big turning point where I kind of said, you know, I want to be more intentional about where my life goes. And that was shortly before I dropped it all and started my own business. Yeah. 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 So how long have you been in your business now? Five and a half years. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, Yeah. I joke about vacillating between terror and elation on a daily basis. Yes, absolutely. So how do you work with people? What are the types of ways that, you know, listeners who, you know, are coming in and they're like, oh my gosh, I need more of this. You know, what are some of the ways that you work with people? Yeah, so most of my stuff is um, presentations, you know, keynote speeches and workshops. Um, So I go into companies, I'll go into associations. I've done a lot of women's groups. 
And I help people learn how to deal with change, whether it's through just 45 minute keynote or a two or three hour interactive workshop. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's super fun. I love that. And I love being interactive. Honestly, the COVID pandemic year was the best year in my business because Mm -hmm. I made the virtual thing work for me. Another change that worked out really, really well. So I've broadened my business to include the virtual stuff. I'm also kicking around Jillian and I'm not quite there yet because I'm trying to figure out what exactly this looks like. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to do retreats. Yes. And uh, it's two or three I'm day coming. immersion. Are you coming? I'm coming. coming to my, I warn you, it's I'm a coming. discomfort <laughs> retreat. It's let's go get a little bit uncomfortable. And I'm trying to figure out, you know, is there a service element? There's a travel element. There's a conversational element. Uh-huh. Um, and there's all these elements of, of let's get a little uncomfortable and lean into it and process it and debrief it and say, you know, where are we? What was hard about that? And the cool thing about bringing eight or 12 women together to experience all these things together is the thing that's easy for me is going to be super hard for you. And the mm-hmm. thing is, you're like, oh, this is cake. I'm yeah. like freaking out. Right. Yeah. And that, I, it, it's leaving room for the magic of the group yeah. to be able to come together and really, I'm getting shivers right now, get, you know, and come together and really support each other through this and show us what it can be like. Mm-hmm. when we look that fear in the face and say, you know what? I think I got this. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So that's on the horizon. That's uh, amazing. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. I, I was listening to um, a coaching, like a recorded coaching call for a group that I was in. And she basically was saying, you know, like whenever you feel like a lot of discomfort or uneasiness, like that's exactly what you should be doing. Like yep. that's, in, especially in your business, it's like, that's where the money is. Like if it's, yeah. if it's your thoughts around, you know, food and body image. It's like, that's where your work is. That's where the success is going to be. And it, it can feel hard to step out of our comfort zone sometimes mm-hmm. because we're so used to it. And some of us have pushed our comfort zone pretty far and wide to where we're comfortable with a fair amount of things. And so it can feel like even harder than to kind of keep pushing beyond that level. And yet it's like, that's where the big dreams and the goals and the des- desires and everything really lie. And it's that thing that you want to do, but you're super uncomfortable with. You know, there's mm-hmm. some things like somebody told me the other day, they're like, you should do stand up. And I'm like, that's hard. <laughs> and I don't want to do stand up. And they're like, no, 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 but you'd be really good at it. I'm like, OK, yeah, maybe. But I don't want to like that's not I know you want that for me, but that makes me super right. uncomfortable. And I don't right. want it. I'll get up and tell right. a funny story. Yes. I'll do improv. Those things make me a little uncomfortable, but I don't want to do stand up. Yeah. And I would love to go do ballroom dancing. How uncomfortable am I with that? Holy moly. But I want to do it. Right. Right. And that's the thing. It's not everything that makes you uncomfortable, but it's those things that you're like, oh, I want to, but I can't. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, guess what, mm-hmm. honey? Mm-hmm. You're taking a ballroom dancing class this fall. So uh-huh. did yeah. you sign yeah. up yet? No, no, no. But I did sign up for a 10 day <laughs> silent meditation retreat. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Everybody so that you knows cannot me is, talk. I know. Yeah. Everybody that knows me is like, God, that would be brilliant to be around you for 10 days without you talking. <laughs> it's super uncomfortable and you have to let go and you have to meditate. And like, this is yeah. something I've never done before. And it makes me super uncomfortable. And yeah. I, it just keeps rattling around in my head. Like you've got to do this. So, right. Yeah. So what is your best tip for the listeners who are like ready to start getting uncomfortable, who are ready to step outside of their comfort zone? What, like, where do they start? What's the first step? Start small, Mm -hmm. you know, start with little successes, find some, you don't have to go for the big kahuna and go skydiving. If you have a fear of heights, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. we go for something small. The other piece is you don't have to do it alone. Mm -hmm. You know, 
if I were to sign up for a ballroom dancing class, I think I'd grab a friend and say, hey, let's go do this right. and do it with somebody. Because then, A, they're going to put their hands on your back when you try to back out the door. Right. And B, yep. it's a heck of a lot more fun and you feel supported and you have this incredible bonding experience with that person mm-hmm. because you embrace this discomfort together. So those are the two things I would say, start small. You don't uh-huh. have to go all in all, you know, right from the beginning. And then just, you don't have to do it alone. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being here. This was such a great conversation and I'm sure I'm going to have you back because this Yay. was just a blast. So where can listeners find out more about you and your workshops and this future retreat that you're hosting? Yeah. Your speaker.com is my website. You can also go to annbonnie.ninja. Just so you know, but you know, you might spell Ann Bonnie. You won't misspell your change speaker.com. So go there. You'll find everything you need. And uh, yeah. And I have a podcast too called ignite your influence. We talk about ways to uh, influence the people around you. So you're welcome to jump on that. It's on the podcast, all the podcast channels too. Yes. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here. This was such an, uh, an amazing conversation. Any final words of wisdom for us? Don't eat yellow snow, you know, I mean, don't take take yourself too seriously, too. I mean, and that's one of the things that as I had you on my podcast and of course this conversation Uh as well, laughter is so important. And so often when we're thinking about this serious life stuff, we get all serious. And so don't forget to laugh because that'll get you through at least the next hour and a half. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Anne. Thanks, Jillian. This has been awesome. Thank you. Great. If you like this episode, then you'll love my free virtual workshop, Five Keys to End Emotional Eating and Lose Excess Weight for Life. You'll learn the counterintuitive reason why all your attempts to restrict food over the years has actually led to weight gain and the mental switch you need to flick that'll have you dropping pounds without sacrificing wine, carbs, or the food you love. Get all the details at bodyyoucrave.com.